right, welcome to another Scrumcast. I'm Derek Neighbors. And I'm Clayton Lengelzigic. And today we want to talk about something that I think a lot of teams struggle with, and that's the concept of done is done. Um, so I guess to start off with, uh, Clayton, what do we mean when we say done is done? Ooh, that's a hard one to sum up in one phrase. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of things that go into it, but I would say that it's uh, basically, you know, if you want to go with maybe a more book answer, you, know, you want to deliver uh, potentially shippable software. You know, I, th- I think that's a easy definition for that. Obviously, you need to expand on it. but Yeah, and I mean, I, th- I think there's a, a lot of exceptions in that de- depending on the size of your team and what the um, team functionality is, um, you might draw a different line in the sand of what is done, meaning, you know, um, maybe I've got a, um, a Q&A team that is entirely separate from my team, and so done is done for my team might be, um, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, we've done A, B, and C, and we've handed it off to the Q&A team, and when we've handed it off to the Q&A team, it's thereby done done for um, today's conversation. I think we want to talk about done is done is that a single team um, is responsible for the entire chain all the way to deployment. Um, and so kind of what does it mean to be done um, in order to kind of deploy? Um, and, you know, I'd like to just kind of say, okay, well, you know, what we see a lot is somebody says a developer will say, oh, this is done. Um, you know, Mr. Product Owner, um, you know, it's out there. It's totally ready to go. Go check it out. And a product owner comes in and, uh, you know, they go to the website and say, uh, I don't see how to, I don't, where do I get to this? Oh, well, you have to enter this, like, super magic URL to get there. Okay. And they go in, they fill out some data, and uh, they press a button, and boom, software blows up, and then there's a defect. Um, you know, obviously not done, um, but thought it was done. And so today, maybe let's go over what are some things that hold developers back from being able to give product owners um, features that are actually done the first time. Um, so I'd say that, you know, say take your maybe less savvy or whatever you want to call it, developer, um, not doing any automated testing. And so those people, I think, you know, my experience it really won't mean you know, I got into the industry was more uh, I'm going to do some feature and I'm going to spend a lot of time manually going through the entire process. So, you know, no automated testing. But I think one uh, one way that people go wrong with that um, is they, you know, kind of choose a golden path. You know, that's a phrase I've heard before where, OK, I know that I need to fill in all these fields. and I know that if I put a too high of a number in this field, that's not going to work. So I know I'm only going to put 10 in that field. And I know that I need to press the submit button. And I know that when I get to the next page, there's a bunch of gobbledygook, but uh, there's this little link down here. And if I click on that, I, okay, sweet, it's done. Uh, and so I think people are just lazy in that regard. You know, they don't think about it in terms of, um, you know, how someone's actually going to use it. And then I would say for the more savvy developer that's actually writing automated tests, um, those it's really easy to, to do the same thing when you're testing. You know, you have different test cases, but you still do the golden path for a lot of those. Um, you don't think to put in, a bunch of crazy test cases, and maybe you shouldn't, you know, you're not necessarily wanting to catch every single edge case, but it's still easy to do that. And then also you get the false sense of security of, well, this feature is tested. When you actually, you know, maybe deploy that, um, you know, the, the product owner is looking at it, uh, you know, they don't do the same stuff that you did in your test, obviously, and, you know, you get the, the blow up uh, of the software. 
I definitely think that that's one of the the biggest things that, um, at least in web development, and I'd even say uh, we see this a lot in mobile development, is um, not actually deploying to target platforms um, to do the testing. So it's the classic, you know, hey, this works in my environment, everything's great. Work The works on my machine syndrome, right? So, you know, going along, blistering along, everything's great, and I hand it off, and the product owner complains that, you know, it just doesn't function at all, and, you know, you scratch your head and say, you know, how the hell am I? I've been working on this for four hours, and I've not seen anything remotely close to what you're talking about. You're completely crazy, um, and you, you know, go to their version of the operating system on the mobile device, or their particular mobile device, or you go to their web browser, or their, and you go, oh, 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 uh, 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 you know, uh, forgot about that dependency or, or whatever. Right. And I think that that is probably one of the lowest hanging pieces of fruit that developers can do um, to get a better done is done, and that is make sure that you're deploying to a solid target platform. Um, and if it's multiple platforms, um, we see this in mobile. If you have to support multiple versions of the operating system or multiple versions of a browser, that, that you're actually doing um, a deployment and a test with those um, in before you ask that product owner to do the same. Because invariably, they will pick the one platform that you did not um, choose to look at in order to do their testing. Right, and kind of going along with that would be um, you know appropriate data set. Uh, it's really easy when you're developing some feature and you've got your two dummy users in your system and everything's kosher, uh, and then you get it, you know, deploy it to the target platform or, you know, the, the staging server, say, or whatever, even in production, uh, and it's, you know, everything was great uh, when I looked at it and all, all the functionality works, but it's unusable. Uh, and I think a big part of done is done is that from beginning to end of the whole feature, it needs to be usable in, in a reasonable way, you know, not something that requires tricks or... Uh, you know, excessive waiting or all those kind of things. You know, you really have to be sensible in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's a big a big part. Um, even I think automated testing sometimes even makes it worse. Um, but uh, regardless, it exists even without automated testing, and that's the whole kind of sensible workflow chain. You know, what does this feature look like from cradle to grave? I, I think, uh, you know, we get too hellbent on, well, we've got these great regression tests, so... You know, when I go add this new piece of functionality, uh, a feature that builds upon another feature, um, I've already tested the original feature, and I'm testing the feature that I'm building that piggybacks on top of this feature. I don't need to go walk through the visual workflow. Um, And then in reality, the product owner gets to it, and, you know, they say, hey, you know, I did this and I did that, but, I, you know, there's no way to get to this other thing short of having to go the long way around the fence or whatever. And so I think, you know, really considering that workflow. Or the other one I see a lot of times is um, missing kind of roles. So, you know, it works great as an admin, but as a guest it doesn't work, and it's supposed to work because, you know, you've built this kind of kind of funky thing on. So I, I think uh, making sure that the, the UI and the UX um, are reasonable is a big part of, um, you know, making sure that things don't come back. Right, and, and I think a lot of that, you know, the UI, UX stuff is, you know, maybe a – a lot of developers probably put on their I'm a developer hat uh, and they don't want to get into the, you know, front end or UX kind of mentality. Um, and, you know, I think there's, even if you just read, uh, you know, some basic stuff about UX or information architecture or whatever, you know, the those people call themselves these days, uh, you know, even if you knew the just basic stuff about that, uh, it's really just a common sense thing. And, you know, I know common sense isn't very common and all that stuff, but uh, there's a lot you can do without really having to exert a whole lot of effort, you know, on your part while you're developing the feature. Um, but I think most of those things, uh, in terms of 
you know, the UX stuff, especially in the workflow comes from communication with the product owner and planning. Uh, and that's probably, probably one of the biggest ones that prevent people developers from delivering something that is actually what the product owner wanted. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think what I see a lot, um, especially with people, um, that don't maybe have as much experience or don't have confidence is they'll, um, you know, have a planning with a product owner. They'll get some, you know, reasonably good, um, you know, wireframe UX, UI, um, the designer would get involved, do that. Um, they'll go to start implementing a feature and they'll know the workflow is broken, when they're doing it and instead of kind of raising a red flag back up to the product owner or to somebody else on the team responsible for UX or UI and saying, you know, this feels really clumsy. Like, you know, you know, you know, you're asking me to select a, you know, hundred items here, but like, you know, if you try to select more than five, it takes like forever. There's no, you know, isn't there a better way we can do it? I, I think a lot of times developers shirk that responsibility and say, well, you know, I'm not the designer, I'm not a UX guy, so you know, I just, I'm just going to implement what was given to me and what was discussed. Um, and then, you know, the first thing that happens is, you know, on the product owner designer might even sign off and say, yeah, it looks great. And then they give it to the first user who actually has to select a hundred things out of that thousand and goes, this is the worst piece of software I ever, you know, I, I can't use this. And then, you know, the developer instinct is, oh, I told, you know, I knew that. And it's like, well, if you knew that, you need to speak up. You know, right. I mean, that's a, a, a big part of it as well. Yeah, going through, you know, even if you, uh, I think more often than not, you probably run in the situation where you don't have wireframes necessarily or lots of, uh, you know, well thought out uh, interface elements and things like that. And I think you, when you get in that mentality, especially when people kind of feel like they're crunched for time, um, you know, they try and do the, you know, say simplest possible solution or whatever. But when you do that, especially if you don't have any, uh, you know, going back to the kind of, you know, web application example, uh, if you don't really have a whole lot of design elements in place or, you know, a style guide, for instance, or anything like that, and you're kind of just winging it, it's really easy to just put a bunch of, you know, crap out a bunch of stuff on this page. And it totally doesn't make any sense. And, the you know, submit buttons, this teeny little thing that's way off on the right hand side. And I think when developers use a site like that, you know, you tell them, oh, hey, go use this more, you know, antiquated government website. And it's like, all they have to say are all these terrible things about how terrible, you know, oh, I I'm so much better, and I would never do this. Uh, but, it, you know, when they're crunched for time, uh, or even when they're not crunched for time, when they're just trying to get the feature done, you know, they say, hey, sweet, I got the feature done, totally works, uh, you know, I can click through it. Um, even though it's, you know, the product owner, maybe the, the not so technical person, or especially a user, you know, it's kind of like, what's this huge thing I'm staring at? I have no idea of how to do anything. You know, I don't know how to start. Yeah, and and I mean, I, I think that, you know, another another part that kind of comes along that is, you know, I think sometimes we get s such tunnel vision um, doing iterative development that we only think about the current iteration and the current feature set that, that we're on, and we forget those entry and exit points and some of those workflows along it. You know, um, you know maybe I've got, uh, you know, some form of, uh, you know, uh, object that's got some attributes on it. Um, and you know, it goes through some form of a process to do calculations or to do something. And somebody asks for this brand new, um, piece of functionality that says, you know, Hey, I need to be able to, you know, calculate this new thing. Um, you know, I need a new attribute and based on that attribute, I need to calculate, you know, new values. Um, you know, after 30 days, you know, you need to go check this other attribute and, and, and retally something. And so we go and we add the attribute to the table and we update the calculation. We write these really fantastic tests and we run all of our regression tests and we say, you know, this is awesome. The features implemented, we're, we're, we're golden. And then the, the product owner goes and says, okay, I'll go and check that. 
And the first thing they do is, um, there's no way to add the new value to the attribute. And we've totally forgotten that, oh yeah, we inserted that into the database and we inserted that in our test without ever having a screen going and updating the screen for that object to allow for that attribute. And so I think, you know, sometimes it's as simple as asking another person on the team that's not part of that process to say, hey, can you just take a look at this and run through it real quick? And you find that kind of stuff right away because the first thing they say is, well, where do I put that uh, new value? Right. Yeah, I think two big questions that, that would, you know, be huge wins for most uh, most teams would be uh, when you're discussing a feature of the product owner, um, you know, being able to say kind of this question of, well, how do I get here? How does the user get here? And then after they do this thing, uh, what happens next? Uh, you know, you can imagine a system where you built some system that takes uh, a report that someone generates, you know, they type up some values in some kind of text file or whatever, uh, and they are supposed to be able to put this report through the system. And then there's some black box that happens uh, and then it spits out some report, you know? And, and so I think people forget to ask, well, how do they get the report in the system in the first place? Because that's the sort of thing that I think developers, what they would develop the system and they would say, oh, well, I'm going to use my you know shell script that I wrote to uh, import this file and parse it and blah, blah, blah. But then they say, you know, they tell this little old lady user who works part time, you know, oh, yeah, just use your shell script. You know, like what? You know? <laughs> and then as far as, you know, when things come out, it's like, well, the reports, uh, oh, you know, your report was generated. Where do I get it? Oh, yeah, just, uh, you know, SFTP into this thing and find your directory with your username. And, you know, it's like, well, shouldn't that get like emailed or put in a public place or something? You know, those kind of things. The, the what, how do I get here? Uh, what's the entry point? And then what happens next after I complete the feature? I think those are two very important questions. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of these things obviously can be addressed during planning meetings, meaning that if you're asking a lot of these questions during your planning meeting, you're getting good quality wireframes, you're having those kind of visual discussions and those entry and exit point and those workflows, um, it uh, avoids a lot of problems, which kind of comes to the last thing. And that's, you know, at least here at Integrum, we do something where we have acceptance criteria um, where we walk through the product owner during a planning meeting and we basically say, that, you know, what are the terms to consider this complete? And I, I think that kind of acts as kind of a checklist, um, at least on a functionality perspective of um, for both the product owner and the developer to say, you know, I, I really shouldn't be telling the product owner that this feature is complete until I know it's done these things that we agreed upon at the planning meeting. It also allows the product owner to say, let me go through this checklist and make sure the developer said what we agreed upon. Though I, I don't think that's enough, um, meaning, you know, I, I think that's a really good start, but I still think when we talk about, you know, is the design acceptable, is the UI acceptable, you know, do we have the proper entry and exit points, do we have a sensible workflow, have we tested it on production, have we had somebody else on the team test it um, on production, um, you know, is it shippable, is it deployable, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to it, and so I guess I would say is what can we do as developers to not be so lazy, when it comes to the point, I think a lot of times we try to push all the responsibility back to a, a product owner or to a QA team. I mean, I, I, you know, in 20 years of software, I think this has been a problem. Every single company I've been with that even with a QA team, the QA team says, you know, listen, assholes, you guys don't ever test anything before you give it to us. And what's wrong with you? And I've heard product owners say, you know, why do you keep asking me to, you know, check this out when, you know, it doesn't even remotely close to work? Um, you know, how do we get to the point where when we've kind of got this just checklist or this formula of these are all the things we need to do that we actually do it? Yeah, you know, I think um, I think that's a hard thing to overcome in the sense of uh, until you see the value that you get from that, um, 
it's difficult to get yourself in that because it is, it is extra work. And I think most people, a lot of developers have this idea of that's not my job. You know, my job is to write code and implement the feature and your job is to test it or whatever, you know, make sure that it works, uh, you know, QA team people. And so, but I think if you, if you look at it from, um, you know, some other aspect of your life, you know, for instance, um, you know, my wife and I, if, if I say, okay, um, you know, we need to, we, we have all these dishes in the sink and we need to put them in the dishwasher or whatever. Um, and I ask my wife, you know, is that something you'll be able to do while I go do this other thing? You know, we're kind of exchanging things. She's going to be pretty upset if every single dish I've ever put in the sink that week has, or that day or whatever, you know, has like tons of food caked onto it. So it's like, there's certain things you have to do so that the next person in line, and I know that the benefit I get from taking that extra step is totally worth it. So I know that if I follow the checklist, um, and I make it really easy for the product owner to sign things off and I make it really easy for them to say, I was able to go in, demonstrate that this feature worked. It looks perfect. It's just what we talked about. Like that's a huge win for me because now that feature is literally, I mean, it's actually done. I can move on to the next thing or, you know, I can complete some other story. It's not this idea of, um, I'm going to go do a whole bunch of work and then tell you halfway through the iteration, go take a look at 80% of the work that I've completed and then you find out, you know, oh, well, this is broken, this is broken, this is broken, all that stuff. Now I have to go back and fix it. Um, if I have this confidence that when I say something is done, it actually is done, I don't have to think about it anymore. You know, I can just keep going. Um, so getting people to understand that value, um, I think that's kind of a big, that's, that's a, a, a way that we can get people to uh, start adopting the practice of following that checklist and really thinking about these things. So, I mean, I think this is just, uh, you know, a good area that almost every team can improve upon. Um, again, whether you have a QA team or whether, you know, you are the QA team or whether you rely on a product owner or, you know, a third party to do um, kind of verification for you. I think this is something that every team can kind of inspect and do some adapt adaptation to um, and really kind of improve their quality level. Um, and, you know, it's kind of independent of code. I think it's, it's really a discipline-based improvement. And so we just encourage you to check that, and we hope to see you next time. Thanks.